Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Sports Valley Hour podcast, and we're doing um, Week 15 Reactions. This is Ethan Schapp, Matthew Schwab, and Evan Silwick. The first game we're going to talk about is the Titans and the Texans game. Uh, this Now the Texans are 9-5, and five, and the Tennessee Titans are 8-6, and six, and the Houston Texans have the lead in the AFC South. Deshaun Watson completed 19 of his 27 pass attempts for 243 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Ryan Tannehill, who has been a great improvement to this team um, and really just set a fire into the Titans since he's been here, completed 22 out of his 36 passes for 279 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, the Titans got out to a uh, – oh, no, Houston got out to a big start um, with a 14 and nothing lead at halftime. Uh, one big play was a huge pick on the one-yard line by uh, Whitney Merciless, and he returned it, I think, to his inside his own red zone. I know that for sure. And that was just a big turning point in the first half. Then in the second half, um, Titans came out strong and scored 21 points to the Texans' 10 and just barely lost the game 21-24. to And the big playmaker in this game to me, um, well, actually I have two. Both are on the uh, Houston Houston's offense. Um, for the rushing attack, you had Carlos Hyde had 26 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. And the receiving, DeAndre Hopkins, in the big game, he had six receptions for 119 yards. He averaged 19.8. And then also in the passing game, Deshaun Watson got the ball to Will Fuller for 61 yards on five catches and Kenny Stills for, on 35 yards for three catches. So Hopkins had a big game, Carlos had a, had a big game, and Deshaun Watson spread the ball out on offense and was able to make the most out of it. Um, yeah. All right, so the Texans in this matchup, they kind of slowed down the avalanche. That was the Tennessee Titans. They started off at – the Titans started off as an unhopeful team with Marcus Mariota, and then with Ryan Tannehill, they kind of had the snowball effect where they became what was seen as an unstoppable force, but the Texans slowed them down. Um, I, but my highlight player this game is definitely A.J. Brown, the rookie. With eight receptions, 114 yards, 14.3 averaging per, per reception, one touchdown, and a 60-yard long. Um, that's just great, especially as as a rookie. And the, the Texans' D isn't all that, especially with J.J. Watt off and on. But their secondary isn't the wor worst in the league, and he was able to just put up numbers just as good, like the same amount of numbers as DeAndre Hopkins was. Um... Also, I do, I do want to talk on Derrick Henry. This wasn't his best game of the season. It wasn't a bad game with 21 carries, 86 yards, and an average, average of 4.1. But it was not the Henry that the Titans have been relying on for the past few years. Not past few years, I'm sorry. Past few weeks. But I do like how they're finally trying to see. They're finally seeing that they have a good wide receiving core and they're able to utilize the passing game. I'm... I'm glad I didn't get passion on for Derrick Henry. Um, that that happened a while ago in, in some chats. But um, but going off of what Evan said, I, I do like how they're starting to move a little bit away from the run as much because when you can establish a very strong run game, that opens up the pass a lot. Once teams decide to commit to the run, uh, that can open up a lot of space for Ryan Tannehill, guys like A.J. Brown, uh, Corey Davis, all the receivers. And I think it can make this offense a lot more dynamic, not just for the remainder of the season, but also in the future. Um, also, 
Texans uh, coming out with a huge win. Uh, Titans coming out with a huge loss. This really hurts their their role in the power rankings. This hurts their kind of momentum. They had a lot of momentum going into this game, and it kind of fell apart. So the next game we'll be talking about is the Rams and Cowboys at Dallas. Um, this game came out 21-44. to Dallas came out on top. This was, for the Dallas Cowboys, this was the biggest game of the season. They established their identity as a running offense with a defense that bends and does not break. Um, my main thing was they have been relying so hard, heavily on Dak Prescott and loading him with more passes attempts than he needs when they have Zeke and Tony Pollard in the backfield. Uh, the fact that Zeke had 24 carries for 117 yards, 4.9, averaging 4.9 and two touchdowns is Zeke is back. Zeke is back. Um, but I also want to talk about the rookie Tony Pollard. He had 12 carries for 131 yards, averaging 10.9 a carry with one touchdown. Those stats are just insane. Every single time he touches the ball, according to those stats, he got a first down. Um, and I do like how even when they did go to Dak, he was able to capitalize and not make mistakes. And the line, the O-line was finally what it was supposed to be, the best O-line in the league. They shut down Aaron Donald completely. And honestly, their passing game is is hard against the Rams because they have Jalen Ramsey and etc. But I do like how the Dallas Cowboys were finally able to establish their identity as we will run the ball down your throat and then shut you down on defense as as well as possible and not let up and let up as least points as possible. Now uh, I do want to agree with Evan, but I want to add on to it. There was one specific outing that kind of really established the Cowboys as not just a dominant force in this game, but kind of kind of showed the league that they do have what everybody was looking for at the start of the year and what everybody was expecting. And that was a 97-yard drive in the first half. Ball pinned on their own three-yard line. Dak Prescott was... Managing the game, he managed everything perfectly. They ran the ball with Zeke. It was one of the best drives I've seen all season. They went straight down the field without any hesitation, got the ball in the end zone with ease. And the Rams' defense is not an easy task to take on. Their offense is a different story. Their defense is very solid. And honestly, everybody bashes on the Rams this year, but their defense is still up there with the best. So seeing Dallas able to establish that force that explosiveness that people hadn't seen this year and also at the same time being able to just pound the ball down your throat it was great to see um for the first time this season the Dallas Cowboys who's been uh top five offense all year long first and first downs top five in yards for the first time, they came out and played like we expect them to play. Um, they had a complete game through and through. Uh, they scored in every quarter. Um, I mean, it was just they just killed the Rams. Now, I want to talk go, going back onto the Rams. Uh, a huge, huge point of this team, and really, they live and die by this is Todd Gurley. 
And once again, he just isn't healthy. He's not the same girly, and I don't think he ever will be. Man had 11 carries for 20 yards. That's an average of 1.8. And he had three receptions for 18 yards, averaging six yards. I mean, I this team, he's the best player on the team, and you can't expect him to get more than 50 yards a night. And without it, Sean McVay and his offense is just lost. You you can't you can't rely on Jared Goff to win you games. He needs that tier one MVP caliber running back, and they just don't have it anymore. So I really don't know what this team is going to do in this division with the powerhouse 49ers, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, and a a young Kyler Murray who's only going to get better. I don't see how this team exceeds in this division for the near future. Um, this is more of a broad question. It, Sean McVay, if like if if I'm in Sean McVay's f- uh, in his spot right now, I don't know what to do because you they just traded away their first next two next, fir- next two first rounders and a Jaylen second Ramsey, for Jalen Ramsey. They just traded away their future in the draft, so they went all in on a cornerback, and that's great and everything, but it's it's it, it's not their defense. It was never their defense. It's Jared Goff's inability to get the conversions that they need, not the ones that he gets a five-yard dump to Higby or, like, a five-yard dump to Cooper Cup. It's not what they need. And when he goes to the top, his inaccuracy shows. So if I'm Sean McVay, I try to make a big trade and get some pick some picks back. And try to salvage what they have because if I'm in their shoes right now, they're they're in one of the toughest divisions in the league, and unless they make a play and go for a chance, playing it safe will never get them past the teams that they have to beat. Yeah, I do want to agree with Evan. Uh, if you look at the Rams' offense, they should be good. They should be very good. You got guys like Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Higby. Brandon Cooks, and you also have Rob Havenstein on the offensive line, who is one of the best in the business right now. They should be talented. They should be very good. They, the Sean, People are saying the Sean McVay card has expired. The genius card has expired. On Partially it has. Not entirely. Sean McVay is a fantastic coach. He's got many more tricks up his sleeve. But the majority, I'd say like 90, 95% of this is on golf. Goff can't – Goff is not a quarterback at this point. He is – he has proven time and time again that he cannot complete any pass longer than 10 yards. Um, but what do you do with, if you're the Rams now that you've made him the second highest paid quarterback in the league and in history? Because if I'm telling you honestly, like I don't know – because I don't know if any team would trade for him. But if you if you ask me straight up, would you rather have Jared Goff or Derek Carr as a quarterback? I'd rather have Derek Carr. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And I think the Raiders might there might be a chance that Derek Carr is up for grabs. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I would I would rather have Derek Carr and uh I don't know the exact details of the contract. Um, I the contract. Yeah. But if I'm choosing between the two, Derek Carr, not only do I think he would fit better in the Rams system, um, but Derek Carr has been looking for has been looking for a receiver for a while, and I think that overall, as a quarterback, he's been able to perform better without any weapons around him. Obviously, this year he does have Darren Waller, but 
Um, previous years, he's been able to work with minimum weapons around him, and he's shown that while at times he can be slightly inconsistent, uh, and that is something to work on and note, he is significantly better than Goff will ever be. Um, I think if I was Sean McVay here, I would try and trade away Todd Gurley. Because Jared Goff, you've already went whole hog on him being your future. He's also the second highest paid running back. Yeah. Gurley is. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's many teams that would trade for him. Healthy or not healthy, when he touches that field, obviously tonight he got shut down, but he has been playing, and he's getting 100-yard games. And these aren't his 200-yard MVP season games that he was putting up. But let alone, there's still top 10 running back stats. Now, some, some nights he goes nothing. Some nights he goes 100. I don't think he's the problem, but I think he's such a big part of their salary cap that there's many teams that they could trade a first. They, they could get a first rounder out of. I think, especially like the Dolphins, who don't have a running back right now. Period. Don't have anything. <laughs> well, I, I I agree with that. The Dolphins don't really have anything going for them except for Devontae Parker, but I think the Dolphins would. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that would be looking for this big name, big brand running back. That could bring into the uh, that they could bring into their team. So if I was Sean McVay, I would try and trade away Todd Gurley, but I don't know what the exact problem is. It's more of a, the offense is not clicking. I have one more question for both of you about the Rams. So they traded for Jalen Ramsey, right? And he is a free agent after this year. And he is prom in the trade. He promised them on his word that he would resign. What do you think? What do you think the chances are that he does, in fact, stay to his word and resign with the Rams team that has struggled and that they're in such a hard division with the powerhouse 49ers, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, and a, a young Cardinals team with Kyler Murray that's only going to get better? Jalen Ramsey is going to resign if they make an offensive move, whether it's Gurley or Goff uh, during the offseason. That's the only way I can see him resigning because if you replace one or two, one of those pieces – the Rams' offensive line is very good. You can have a good running back that you can get out of the fourth round of the draft with that Rams' offensive line. The running holes that they make are massive. Uh, at, at times, they play like Dal Dallas's offensive line or Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's offensive line. But other times, they, they can get banged up and things can go south. But the only way that I see Jalen Ramsey re-signing is if they make a big offensive move this year. Because as a team... And from a coaching perspective, this Rams team can easily compete with everybody in their division. If they get a better quarterback, I feel like the Rams could compete with the Niners and the Seahawks. And I think Jalen Ramsey would re-sign if they made one of those big moves. Also, once they sign Ramsey to that deal, you would imagine he'd be a top-paid cornerback, if not second. He would be one of the top eight all the time. Because they have Gurley, who's the second highest paid uh, running back. They have uh, Goff, second highest paid quarterback. Donald, highest or second highest paid uh, defensive line. So, I mean, they have a lot of money on. That would be a lot of their salary cap of four. I'm going to let him go first. Um, going back to his first question, I have Jalen Ramsey signing back with the Rams about at a 70% chance because uh, – so far, Jalen Ramsey hasn't given us a reason to not believe his word. So I I would stick true to it and say it's at it's a minimum of a 60% chance. The 40% is he wants to win. Any player wants to win. And when you're on a team that's losing, you most players tend to lose their love for the game. 
for example, Calvin Johnson, one of the best wide receivers to play the game, lost his love for the game because he he was on a team that couldn't win. They couldn't go to the playoffs, and he could get a 300-yard game, and they would, and it wouldn't make a difference. It's just, for me, I, I, I feel like the 40% of it is he wants to win. The other 60% is stay true to his word. So Jalen Ramsey at the, at the offseason has – a good has a hard decision between of his integrity as a player and as like a, a just as a man a human or his being a player and wanting to win so i at the end of the day i would give it a 60 percent chance but i do agree with ethan that at the end of the day they would have four of the highest paid players in their respectable positions um so i uh, he would Definitely not get paid as high as he wants, because I don't know if their salary cap would allow it. I don't know the exact salary cap, but just from the statistics of how much those three players are played are paid, there's probably not much room for the rest of the players. And I don't know their exact uh, contracts, but Cooper Cup is going to want a big contract after this year. Brandon Cooks, when when he's healthy, is a great wide receiver. It's just can he keep his head off the ground? And then Tyler Higby is a tight end that catches everything and is is like an overliable. I just feel like at the end of the season, there's going to be a lot of like terminosity. What's it called? Like, no, it's not terminosity. There's going to be a lot of. It's going to a lot of, huh? Like change turnovers. It's going to be a lot of like animosity in the locker room, and they're not going. It's going to be. Very hard for them to succeed next season. I don't expect them to be anywhere in the playoffs for the next two seasons. All right, next game. Yeah, next game. Next game we're going to be talking about is the Atlanta Falcons at the San Francisco 49ers. Um, What a shocker. (laughs) What an ending, first of all. What an ending, first of all. Um, I I just want to start off by uh, saying that nobody expected this. Um, but at the same time, with Atlanta's defense, not not Atlanta's defense, Atlanta's offense, they're always potent, um, even against like the best the best defenses in the league. That combination of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones is absolutely fantastic, and it, it showed this game. Uh, they still have it. Uh, granted, they did rely on Julio, pretty pretty big amount. Um, Matt Ryan, 25 completions on 39 attempts for 210 yards and two touchdowns with a quarterback rating in 95. Julio Jones, the MVP of the game, 13 receptions, 134 yards and two touchdowns, uh, with his longest reception being for 28 yards. But that's not to say that people on San Francisco's offense didn't play well as well. Uh, Garoppolo also had another pretty good game, pretty solid average, um, 22 completions on 34 attempts for 200 yards and a touchdown with a quarterback rating of 90.3. And George Kittle with a huge game, uh, especially at the tight end position, even though he has relied on a lot. Um, 13 receptions, 134 yards, no touchdowns, unfortunately. Um, I was surprised to see that they didn't go to Emmanuel Sanders more. He did only have nine catches, uh, two catches for nine yards. My apologies. Um... Because this year, Emmanuel Sanders has been an absolute stud for the Niners. He's been, when Kittle was missing games, Emmanuel Sanders was their focal point. Um, Especially when all their running backs started getting injured. 
they really relied on the Manuel Sanders in the passing game uh, when Kittle and their running backs were missing games. And I was surprised to see him only get two catches uh, for such a little yards this game. I feel like maybe if they went to him more often, things could have been different. Um, the run game wasn't really working for the uh, Niners. Uh, their leading rusher was Raheem Mostert on 14 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tevin Coleman backing him up, four carries for 40 yards, no touchdowns. Pretty solid stats from him. Uh, had he gotten more carries, things may have been different. But um, the ending, I, the ending was ridiculous. Uh, a catch was called back, and without hesitation, Atlanta went up, and they punched the ball into the end zone um, as time expired. Or actually, I think it was one of those. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a crazy game. Um and it, it really set the 49ers back uh, a lot in their conference and in their division. Uh what did they fall to? 5. Yeah. Yeah, they fell yeah, they fell from 1st to 5th uh in the conference. So that that's a huge loss. They they just lost their number 1 seed. Uh obviously I do think that they can quite possibly regain it. Um they do play Seattle again. Ethan, they do play Seattle again. Yeah, right? they, the yeah. 49ers play Seattle week 17. If they win out from here, they, if the 49ers win out from here, they play the Rams, which are trying to get into the playoffs, and then they play the 49 and then they play the Seattle Seahawks, and they have the same record right now. If they beat the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams, they'll take the one seed back, and they'll have it. Yeah, and and that is which, very that that they they yeah should. no that's very much likely. Seattle Seattle got away with a little bit of a cheap one uh, the first time out this year. Um, but this is not to say that San Francisco is losing their losing their steam. Um, they're still probably the most dangerous team in the NFL outside of the Baltimore Ravens, um, and it's uh, it's honestly kind of kind of scary to think that a team with what an 11 and three record is is fifth in a conference. That that is that's kind of scary to think about. Um, but that just shows how fantastic the nfc is and how stacked it is overall anybody else the vikings are 10 and 4 at the 16 yeah uh-huh. um for me this game was more of not san francisco losing and like dropping down seeds. this is more of the atlanta falcons showing that they are no joke and julio jones showing that he is a top three wide receiver um even in double coverage He's able to go up, get 13 receptions, get 134 yards, and two touchdowns. While I was watching that game, when he got that last end zone catch, he was there was three 49er players around him when he caught it. And two of them hit him, and he still was able to extend the ball while holding onto it with an iron grip. I didn't see the ball move. So for me, that, that was an excellent play by him. <laughs> it was an excellent play by him. And it's also... The Falcons players are trying to play right now, not for a, not for a seed, not for a playoff, not for a draft pick. They're trying to play for their head coach, Dan Quinn. They're trying to play hard for him because he is on the hot seat. So I feel like you have to take that into account. And also, I want to call out Devontae Freeman. 12 carries, 39 yards, 3.3 average. That's horrible. <laughs> Like, I mean, obviously Todd Gurley had a worse week, but it's still, for me, they 
they want they rely on him so heavily. They need him to play hard and they need him to play very well. And he has just not showed up this year. And he has been and honestly, to me, he has just been seen as undisciplined and just not the running back that he's been in the past years. Right now, I feel like he is a loose cannon and is unable to put up the stats that he needs to be to to like back up his loose cannon mentality. Um. So pretty much we've hit on all the topics I want to talk about. Uh, one little neat thing I want to point out is both the leading receivers for the 49ers and the uh, Atlanta Falcons probably already read them, but Julio Jones and George Kittle both had the same amount of receptions with 13s and the exact same amount of yards, which was 100, 134. And that's pretty crazy. Um, Julio did have two touchdowns to Kittle's zero. But the uh, same exact stat line other than that, which is pretty crazy. Um, I want to talk about... Honestly, I was very surprised that the Falcons won this game. Um, they come at some games; they look absolutely terrible. Their defense isn't even a, a thing, and other times like this, they play hard-nosed football to the very end, and it's very, very random when it happens. Um, I would have thought this is one of the last games, not only because they're going against the 49ers, but because uh, Calvin Ridley is hurt, and Calvin Ridley acts as a deep threat on this team to give Julio Jones a break from the double team, and instead. Calvin Ridley's out, and Julio Jones had all of the attention on him, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Even without his number two, Calvin Ridley taking some of the pressure off, he still got the job done, so I gave the shout-out to DeAndre Hopkins earlier in his game, and shout-out to Julio Jones, he deserves it in this game. All right, oh, you have some more topics about this one? one more thing. Uh, I have one more thing to talk about, and that is the Falcons are just upset city right now. They <laughs> Beat the Saints when they were seven and two, while the Falcons were two and seven, twenty-six to nine. They just swept them. Not really swept them, but swept. they were they they swept them. They ran them over, <laughs> and then they were able to put up twenty-nine points against the San Francisco defense that seemed to be second best in the league. The, the, the new Iron Curtain, and they were able to put up they were able to put up twenty-nine points on them. Iron Curtain still playing. They're the same thing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just the Falcons are a hit or miss team, and they'll either play great D, play a great offense, and beat you, or they will play neither. And Matt Ryan will throw it 50 yards over his wide receivers, and their defense will not play. So I just don't know if, how I feel about the Falcons going into the future. Um. I feel like they have a good basis to build off of, but I don't know what to exactly they should go for in this draft or what they can do to improve it. It's some, it's obviously some position on defense, but we I do not know what position they would need most, if it's a rusher or if it's a cornerback and somebody in the, or somebody in secondary. Um, the next thing we're gonna talk about is the Buffalo Bills clinching the playoff berth with their Sunday night win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it was a low-scoring game, 17 to 10. Um, but yeah, congrats to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Josh Allen has come in in the second year, sophomore year, um, and just played really well. So congrats to the Bills on clinching their uh, playoff berth. And now they have a chance this week to uh, take the Patriots. And if Patriots lose out uh, and they win out, they can actually take the division from them for the first time that I can ever remember. I also, I also want to congratulate the Bills. Um, good job, Josh Allen. Good job, Bills defense. Uh, I'm not going to congratulate your wide receiver core, but other than that, 
great job to their defense and great job to their offense, to the QB, Josh Allen, the sophomore who has shown nothing but potential. He needs to hone in on his wide receivers, but other than that, congrats, Bills. Um, good luck going for your division. It's going to be hard. And uh, the Patriots are a good team. May the better team get the division, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to word it. I want to see the Bills win the division. Uh, I'm really I'm really pulling for them out here because they, they are the better team. Um, all around, all around. The Patriots, I, I, would, I would give them the edge on offense at this point. Um, the, the Patriots offenses look pretty it, – it's like Ethan's appetite. It's a black hole. It's just it, what goes in doesn't come out. You, you you don't you don't see anything out of the Patriots offense. It, 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 um, I mean I, I like I like Josh Allen this year more than Tom Brady. Um, but the thing is, between those two offenses, the Patriots have put up a thirty-plus game against the Steelers in week one, and Josh Allen has struggled to put up any more than 21 against almost every single team he's played against. The Bills are not an offensive team. They're a defensive team with a, with a quarterback that makes no mistakes. Well, not no mistakes, but barely any, and there's not many interceptions. So I don't think it's right to say they have a better offense, especially when the Patriots' offense has just looked like it hasn't been able to get off the ground. But... They can. They are still. I feel like they are still more explosive than the Bills' offense is right now. I'm just not even gonna argue with that. Kind of, kind of shut me down real, real quick there. Uh, just, just, just gonna, just gonna hand it over to Ethan real quick. <laughs> and the um, final topic we're gonna talk about is Drew Brees. After his Monday night slaughter of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, is now the leader in passing touchdowns in NFL history and passing yards in NFL history. So that is uh, extremely impressive by Drew Brees, and uh, I couldn't be more excited and happy for him. Um, he's just a great NFL QB and a great franchise uh, player. Congrats, Drew Brees. Um. I mean, I don't know what else to say on it. That chap didn't say already. From going from the Chargers to the Saints, the Saints have won, what, a Super Bowl? Been the countless playoff uh, appearances. He's the definition of a franchise quarterback, and he will go in the Hall of Fame. Congrats. All the power to you. Keep on playing hard. Honestly, there's no more person that's more well-deserving of this than, than Drew. Uh, I, it's, uh, he's been doing it for so long and he's been doing it at such a high level. I remember, I remember a time earlier in the decade, uh, I think it was a span between 2012 and 2016, where in all four of those years, he threw 5,000 plus yards, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Drew has just been, Drew, Drew's been, Drew's been dominant, but he's also been a very underspoken name, uh, up until recently. Um, I feel like he didn't get enough credit at the... At the start of the decade, I feel like he didn't get enough credit when he was putting up 5,000-yard seasons by the bunches, which was unheard of at the time. Uh, not many people were throwing for 5,000 yards, and there was a time where he threw 
5,000 yards in four or five straight seasons. So that's that's pretty amazing. So good job, Drew.